listening to Life Change Church in Muskegon. You can join us in person Sunday mornings at 9.30 and 11.30 or catch us on Facebook Live. Good morning. It is for a few more minutes. Good morning. Um, I have an opportunity to give you a couple of announcements. The first one is, is this, is that if you are a guest here at Life Change Church, we want to give you a warm welcome. Can we give them a warm welcome? Amen. And then second of all, um, in that space of uh, being our guest, um, we have a little card, a little token thing we want to share with you. If you go to our Welcome Center as you're leaving our sanctuary, right to the left there, there's a little counter there. We would like to welcome you here, taking that time to do so. My wife is usually there. This time we have another teammate from our church family that's there um, welcoming you. And then what we're going to do is give you one of these, and you can go to our cafe and I know that my wife is over there working in the cafe, and she would love to greet with you and love on you, too. Second of all, we have um, youth services, 6 o'clock to um, 8 o'clock tonight. My wife and I are, believe it or not, we're working with our youth. And In fact, after 26 years ago, when we started this church, um, we actually have had youth leaders ever since. And this is the first time in 26 years where I found myself wanting to lead the youth again. And I'm not the face of the youth. Obviously, this is not a youthful face, all right? But what we are is this is the um, face of a leader in the youth. And we want to raise up some leaders, raise up a ministry, because we believe in our youth. So if your youth are from 6th grade to 12th grade, we're going to be talking about salty. The Bible says that we are the salt of the earth. And uh, we're going to be having, that's going to be the subject matter. We're going to have some scripture reading tonight. And that we're also going to have some fellowship and breaking into some small groups. We're going to have some worship time, teach them how to worship. So it's going to be a great time from 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock. So if you have some students or you know some students that would like to be here, plus there's food. We're going to have some food. We have somebody here that's volunteering to bring some food in every Sunday night. So they're going to come here and we are going to stuff them physically and spiritually. Amen? So um, please avail that time. It's going to be a great time in Jesus. Well, if you have your Bibles, I want to talk to you um, and have you turn to Luke chapter 18. I know it's not going to be on the screen, so I apologize for this. This is a a passage um, early this morning the Lord gave to me uh, to help you, maybe assist you in understanding what we're talking about, faith. Faith um, is a word that is uh, kind of loosely used in Christianity I don't find it's very um, active in a lot of Christians. And what I mean by that is that, you know, um, why have faith in Jesus? Well, we're going to talk today that that's a first step. And yet the Bible says we're supposed to go from faith to faith. That our life should be full of faith. And uh, before we turn into Luke chapter 18, I want to give you kind of just a a moment that happened to me this week that kind of uh, demonstrates the message. This is our fourth message in this series, and it's about being fully convinced. Being Faith is meant where we fully trust God, and um, we have been talking about um, how we walk away from doubt, taking a step away from doubt, and doubt, according to the, the, the Webster's, is basically just, you know, you're caught between two opinions. Do you trust God, or do you trust your world or systems of this world. Then we talked about acknowledgement, that we need to acknowledge God in all our ways and he'll direct our steps. Then we talked about considering. What are we considering? Are we considering the things of this world and are they going to be helping us and assisting us or are we really considering what God's promises say? 
And this week I got a, a phone call. Much like all of us, we get phone calls and we get uh, moments of communication. And uh, this was a dear friend that was communicating to me that uh, someone else that's an acquaintance of ours, uh, a close friend of mine, um, that had a stroke. And uh, they wanted me to pray about that person and, and be aware of it so that I could lift that family up and probably encourage. But, but what I would want to say to you is that that word was so powerful inside of me that it did more than just in, you know, bring information. It tried to bring a presence. You know, when God's word um, tells us that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And so in that word stroke, I felt a space of a presence, and I'm not trying to be weird here, but it was trying to get into the space of fear in my life, anxiety in my life. And then all of a sudden, you know, like moving from, you know, if, if we can move in this journey of faith with God, then we can also move in a journey of doubt with God. Okay? Are you guys with me? And so um, what happened was, is that word, just a word, stroke. And then images began to hit my mind and thoughts. And I, I thought, you know, this year after like eight, almost maybe 10 years, I haven't been um, slalom skiing or barefooting. And I used to do it um, very avidly. And, and, uh, being that um, things took shape differently in our, in our world, um, my wife and I's world, I went back to it, and I was excited about doing it. I thought, I want to do this again. And uh, then all of a sudden, my image went to, here I am on the, on the side of my boat, um, and I'm barefooting, and my wife is driving, and I could have a stroke. My wife's not strong enough to lift me up out of that water. And then I could literally die right there on the lake. All of a sudden, my mind just started getting carried away. And, and then I thought, well, my friend is younger than I am. And he's not doing as dumb of things as I am. And I, he's not doing as strenuous. And all of a sudden, my thought started going over there. And I went, all of a sudden, I had to do what I've been trying to teach you. I had to arrest my thoughts. I don't know if you've ever been arrested. I know that you don't like to think of your pastor in that space. I've never been arrested but I have been in the back of a squad car. And I have been in the back of a squad car with my wife driving to the back of my father-in-law's house. And I don't want to get into all the particulars of it, but it was a bad moment in my life. And I wasn't even, I was engaged to this wonderful woman and my father-in-law now sees me in the back of a squad car driving to the back of his property and I had to explain things that I shouldn't have to explain. And maybe one day we can, I can trust you enough and you can trust me enough that you still let me be your pastor and I can tell you the whole story, all right? But the point of it is, is that this was a, a, a bad, a, I needed, I was like underneath very careful and they were going to say I could have 14 points added to my license in that one moment. So obviously I did something bad, all right? And because, here's the cool thing. She said, I see that you're a, a really nice guy and that you're, very, you're being very truthful. So I'm going to let you off with going through a red light. Now, it was a, a lot worse than just going through a red light. But the point of it is, is because I just, I, I looked at her and I, I go, ma'am, I'm a Christian. This is word for word. Went to the office and says, I'm a Christian and I can't do this. Although I know I could get away with what I've done. I could strategically have positioned my life 
in the space of nonsense and sin. I can't do it. My heart, my conscience won't let me do this. So by, by, here's the thing is, God doesn't let you off, amen? So from that decision, she says, get back in the squad car. And I thought, God's going to give me a pass. No, no passes for God, you know, from God. He says, no, what we're going to do is we're going to get in the back of that squad car and drive to your in-laws. And what an explanation that turned into be. You need to arrest your thoughts. The Bible says, take every thought captive, make it obedient to Jesus. That's what it means. It means to take the thought and arrest it. This word, stroke, began to play in my mind, play in my body, and it literally wanted to own to the point where it was going to invite me to a space of being in a a moment of a stroke. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And so today, the message I want to share with you guys is get, what if we were speaking life? What if we were so guarded by the things that we say and the things that we believe that we would see that when the enemy is shooting arrows at us, because he's going to do, the Bible says that Satan is strategically looking for opportune times in your life. If, they were, if he was looking for opportune times to destroy Jesus, how much more do you think he's at access into your life? In fact, I love what Jesus said. He goes, you know, Satan's coming, but he's got nothing to work with. You know, I wish I could give that testimony, but it's not true. Satan is coming. Sad thing is I've given him things to work with. And so what I'm asking God on every morning, my wife and I get in, what we do is we get in our devotional closet time, we listen to some word, and then we pray. And we put on our armor. And what I mean by that is we declare things of God or promises of God. We declare what God is saying over our lives. And in doing so, we're putting up a shield of faith. And we don't even know. Many times the enemy's probably shooting arrows at our life shooting arrows at our children and our grandchildren, shooting arrows at our church family, nervous, and it's not even hitting them because we've already put up a shield of faith. There's one thing that really bugs me is when I see how many Christians suffer and get hit by those fiery arrows. And the Bible says that my people, how many of you are his people? Raise your hand. Perish. Did you hear the word perish? That's a bad word. Because they lack understanding of what God has given to them. And you know, in Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to turn there in just a few minutes, where it says, look, he goes, finally. And when, when you see God's spirit saying, finally, how many of you should take, I should take note of this moment? You know, he's, I mean, this is not, this is when dad, you know, my dad's called Ron. And if he's had to say it three times, it's saying, finally, you better hear it, boy. You better start coming running, all right? Finally. And so this is what God's saying. I said, you better hear this, boy. You know what? You better come running. And finally put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the fiery arrows of the enemy, the strategies of the enemy. Luke chapter 18, verse 1. One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while. 
But finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people. But this woman's driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant request. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night. Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on earth who have faith? Here the Lord is speaking and he's saying to us, and he equates people that pray and constantly ask, are they have people of faith? Recently, my wife and I have been praying for um, someone that we know, a sister in Christ, that we know that has been uh, just away from church for over a decade. And if you were to follow that person, you'd hear some things that were really uh, mean about the church. Oh, they're full of hypocrites, and you know, and there's nothing, there's just, all they want is your money, and all the, you know, all the stuff that you hear what people say about church. And uh, yet, we're not moved by that. We arrest that thoughts. Because we know that this sister, like every sister and brother, needs God's church. The church is the body of Christ. And that's like saying the head doesn't need a body. Wouldn't it be funny today if you just saw my head talking and there's no body attached to it? How many of you would stick around? Most of you would say, yeah, this is a little, <laughs> there's a hand, so I'm sticking around for the rest. All right, but anyway, the point of it is, is that we're the body. And the, you know what? You're part of the body. And what I tell people is this, is that you by not being here, by not realizing the value of the body, you're a vital part of this church family and that we could do something either better than we've ever done it or something we've never done because you're not here. That's how important it is for us to realize. And if Satan can keep lying to us and telling us that we don't have any importance and that we're not vital... Well, then what really suffers is our community because you have ministry of Jesus coming through your life to touch the community. So my, Brenda and I have been putting on our armor and praying for this person. And I don't think we've been doing it day and night. I know we haven't, but we've been doing it often. And last week, we saw that sister in church. Can anybody praise God for her? Amen. All right. And so, and you know what, and now we're hearing more and more and more and more dialogue. This is, I believe that we undermine what God can do and what we do is we seem to promote what all the frustrations we see around us. And this is why I want to talk to you about faith. Faith is calling those things that be not as though they are. Faith is calling into existence Faith is seeing things, hoping for things. Faith is calling those things out. Faith, anybody can look at, anybody can look at something and go, man, it's rough outside. You know, it's really, I don't, I don't really want to take a step. Or all those people do is complain. And God goes, why don't you have the voice of hope inside in, the, in, the, in all the environment of despair? Why don't you have the, vase, the, the voice of love in the space of those person's tears? Why don't we have the voice of reconciliation when there's a voice of division in their life? God is looking to promote in his plan and work his plan through your feet, through your hands, through your voice. 
That is his plan, to work through your life. And God can only work through faith, amen, because that's who he is. Romans chapter 4, verse 17, familiar passage, we've been going through this for three weeks. Here's our last, well, I shouldn't say our last week in this passage, but the last week in this particular series on faith. Romans 4, verse 17. That is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you a father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life, who creates new things out of nothing. Even when there was no reason for hope, our sister was hating church, not seeing anything good for church. Even when there's no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead. And so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew, say it with me, some of you said it. His faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. That means your faith can grow stronger. The first word you will see in the wallpaper when you walk in this is what we want you to do is we want you to grow. We want you to grow in God. We want your faith to grow. We want your marriage to grow. We want your children to grow. We are longing for God to do great things, and the only way we can see that happening, God can see that happen, is if you're growing. And in this he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promised. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit, it was recorded for our benefit too. Assuring us that God will also count us as righteousness if we believe in him. The one who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 through 4 it wouldn't be a good faith message series if we didn't give you the definition of faith. And Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 gives us the definition of what faith is. It's up on your screens. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a great and good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. That we can now see did not come from anything that was and that could be seen. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man and God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. What would happen if our kids turned and looked? What if our youth were watching those adults in this church? What if our children were seeing the faith of our walk? Recently, I, uh, um, I've had three testimonies on healing. Not, I'm not talking about personal testimonies, but from brothers that have come to me. In fact, right in the middle of service, there was a, a person that gave me one of the coolest testimonies ever on healing. And I said, look, you got to hold on to that because I have a, a friend of mine who's going to preach on healing and you need to get up here and testify about what God's done. There is something God is doing in this house for healing. 
all right? And I believe that if you're in a, a space where there's something going on in your physical body, the Bible says if there's something going on in your physical body, go to the elders, that they may lay hands on you, all right? And anoint you with oil. And that the prayer of faith will do what? It's going to bring out God's plan and destiny. Instead of what you see circumstantially going on in your body, all of a sudden we can see what God has planned for your body. What if it, could it be that you're in a space of crisis, that you're in a space of what's going on in your physical body just so that God could show up? What if somebody in your workplace needs to see a miracle through you? What if, what if your kids need to see a miracle through you? I think so many times we're sitting here despaired, dis, you know, disgruntled, frustrated, and not recognizing that God wants to do these, God is even allowing these trials so that he can show his power mighty through our lives. All right, if we could just review really quickly. A few weeks ago, we talked about this journey of faith, and it's a journey. First thing we step away is, we step away from doubt. Doubt is no more or less than just stuck in between two opinions. I trust God, but I don't know if it's really going to happen. I believe God promises it, but maybe it's not for me. I think this is the way God wants me to go, but I'm unsure. Stuck in between two opinions, God calls it doubt. So the first step away in our journey of faith is to step away from doubt. Amen? Second one is acknowledge. The Bible says acknowledge God in all your ways, and he will direct your paths. Acknowledge God in all your ways, which means I'm going to acknowledge God in my marriage. I'm going to acknowledge God in my health. I'm going to acknowledge God in my grandson Ford in the back right there. I'm going to acknowledge God when it comes to this church family. I'm going to acknowledge God in the leadership. I'm going to acknowledge God things that I need to change as a pastor. I need to be a better pastor. I'm going to acknowledge that God's the best pastor. He truly knows how to shepherd this church. I'm going to acknowledge that he is in front of me. I need to see what he's doing and what he's saying. I acknowledge that. So now I go from moving away in doubt Step into acknowledgement, and then guess what? I step into circumstance. Well, all of a sudden, well, the church is really empty this weekend. All of a sudden, the circumstances speak. And all of a sudden, I go, well, you know, I wonder if people are leaving. I wonder if people don't care. I wonder what, I mean, maybe they didn't like the, maybe they didn't like my preaching. Maybe they just didn't like, you know, maybe they didn't like the cookies last week. And all of a sudden, these thoughts come inside, and because that's really what happens a lot of times. We listen to the elements of the world more than we listen to the space of God's presence and his promises. That's what, am I considering this or am I considering what's in here? I get, and every one of us consider it, yes? What is your consideration today? Are you going to consider God's promises or are you going to consider your surroundings? What is it that you're that's what Abraham, he says, I'm, I'm 100 years old. What can 100, I, if I couldn't get my wife pregnant by now, why in the world could I get it pregnant now? And yet the Bible says he didn't even consider the age of his body. He considered God promised it, that settles it. And that's where we've got to get to that point. That's when we're fully convinced. And I'd like to say that that was overnight, 
But, you know, um, his journey started at 75, and we just said he was 100. So 25 years it took for him to get in the space of that promise of being fully convinced. All right, number one in your, um, in your study guides, let's go through this. And let's, let's kind of, this is a summary of the, all the messages that we've gone through so far. Number one, faith journey has a starting point, like all other journeys, and you need faith. Romans chapter 1 verse 17 says this way, For in the gospel a righteousness which God ascribes is revealed, both springing from faith and leading to faith. What does that mean? Right. Everyone has been given a seed inside their heart. In fact, Ecclesiastes says it this way, eternity is locked up in everyone's heart. And God comes and knocks on that door because that's who God so loves the world. And so inside of everyone's heart is a space of faith. You may say, well, I'm, a, you know, I'm an agnostic or you know, I'm an atheist or whatever. But inside of everyone's heart is a seed of faith. They know that there's something lacking. They know there's something missing. There's got to be more to this life than what I'm experiencing. There's just something about. They, they, in everyone's heart, there is. I don't care where you live. I don't care what you've been raised in. There's inside, there's a space that God has that God wants to open inside that's called faith or seed of faith. And when you respond, so no one can in this room say, well, you know what? I made a decision to follow God. Isn't God lucky? You can't say that. If you made a decision to follow God, this only thing is, is that God came to visit you first. All right? He came to visit you first. So you responded to his love. You responded to his forgiveness. That's called the first faith. And we all need to start somewhere, and that somewhere is, God, I surrender to you. I give my life in your hands. That's the first. But here's the, the coolest thing. Romans chapter 117 says we're supposed to go from faith to, say it with me, church, we're supposed to go from faith to you're not, let me tell you, if you got saved 25 years ago and you haven't moved in your faith, you're stuck. You need to grow. Amen? You need to grow in your faith. God expects that faith to go from faith to faith. God expects it to go from faith to faith. Say, so, well, pastor, I don't know how to do that. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing from the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing from the word of God. So if I'm struggling in my marriage, what I need to do is read scriptures and promises and marriage in the Bible. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing from the word of God. Faith cometh by, if I'm struggling with my body, my physical body, then I need to, you know what? I, gotta, I need to read scriptures and promises in the word of God that says, that speaks about healing in my body. If I'm struggling in my finances, I need to read, I need to read promises and, and listen to promises that are in the Bible about my finances. If I'm struggling with leadership, and there's some areas I am struggling, so I'm reading on leadership and I'm going to get counsel in leadership, I am going to go over there. I know that I need to go from faith to faith. Because some of me, because I'm insecure and, and I don't really want to step out and I want to just, like I'm 60 years old and sometimes, you know, like my son said, well, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. I'm an old dog that can do new tricks, amen? So, but sometimes we can get stuck, and it feels comfortable being stuck. Some people are stuck with addictions. Some people are stuck with hate. Some people are stuck with unforgiveness. Some people are stuck with unreconciled areas. Some people are stuck with thoughts, and some people are stuck with opinions. Well, I, you know what? 
God doesn't have anybody stuck if they choose to walk by. There you go. You're getting this. Faith will get you out of your stuck situation. You, you know what? The Bible has word. They're called strongholds. And God will take you out of that stronghold and bring you into a new beginning. That's who our God is. And that's what God wants to do in everyone's life. And it all starts with knowing that you're his chosen child. If you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, hoorah. Amen? You just joined the winning team. All right? Now in that winning team, you got to go over there and learn how to arm yourself. You got to learn how to fight. You got to learn to go over there and take. I shared this with my wife when she was battling all her migraines. I says, honey, I says, it's interesting. God's ways are different. I says, some of us, we'd like to think, well, if I'm on the winning team, then I'm just going to ride this thing out. Well, Joshua, he joined the winning team. And God, you know what? Joshua says, be strong and courageous, and they'll go out there and take the promised land. All right? And so for my wife, having the promised land was no more migraines. And she was having these migraines often. So that promised land is no more migraines. And all of a sudden, I go, interesting enough, with Joshua, he had to go fight for what was already his. He had to hear what God says. Here's the cities. Here's the land. Here's the promised land. Now go out there and fight for it, Joshua. And some of us, we go, no, I don't want to. You know, we're like that little dinosaur in, in Toy Story. They don't like confrontation. They don't like confrontation. That's what we're doing. We're always doing the back step. That's what we are, Right? Instead of going over there and stepping into that space saying, this is my land, this is my promised land, this is what God promised, this is where I'm going to, and you know why God asks you to fight for it? Because whatever you fight for, you keep. My dad taught me that a long time ago through a, a valuable lesson. I had my first 10-speed bike, Huffy 10-speed bike, given to me on a Christmas, and I destroyed that. Didn't take care of it. Left it out in the weather. Didn't, you know, watch over it. And you know, my dad was so caring and smart. He just watched me. You know what? And so my next bike, he didn't buy. So my next bike, I went and bought a Schwinn Latour. All right? $165. Which at that time, I'm really aged myself. You can tell your kids over there. I worked in a muck field pulling weeds. I made a buck an hour. Add that up, 165 hours I work for that Schwinn Latour. My dad helped me go over there and pick it up. Guess what I did? I waxed that bike. I oiled all the things. I took care of that bike. In fact, when my wife and I got married, I had my Schwinn Latour. She had had to work. She went over there and worked in the celery field. She bought a lesser model. She bought a Schwinn Varsity, Okay. I didn't hold that against her. But anyway, so she had worked for like, and, like 120 hours to get her Schwinn varsity. Now maybe you know, maybe you're, you, you can make a lot more money per hour or whatever you as a student. But the bottom line is, is when you fight for something, you're keeping it. And I love what God said, tend and keep. So when my wife received her healing and her, her atonement in God, no migraines, guess what? She can stand up and go, I got, in fact, stand up, honey. You have what? Come on, tell everybody. <laughs> no migraines. That's her promised land. And I watched with tears in my eyes many different times where she would have that. And I said, God, we need this promise. And the Bible says, keep, ask, keep on asking, seek, keep on seeking. And by the way, I'm getting into my promised land of preaching next, in the next three weeks. 
I'm moving into that whole passage. Ask, keep on asking. Seek, keep on seeking. Knock, keep on knocking. God wants to teach us that we are agents of the kingdom and how to receive kingdom promises. In the next three weeks, we are going to learn just that. Number two, faith is a weapon against our enemy. Faith is a weapon. I say a weapon. It's a weapon against our enemy. I said earlier, if there's one thing I can't stand is watching Godly, good people get beat up. The Bible says that my people, how many are his people? Perish because you lack knowledge. John chapter 10, Jesus says, I came here to give you life and that abundantly. And Satan comes to steal, kill, destroy. The enemy is prowling around wanting to destroy your marriage, wanting to destroy your lives, your health your mental aptitude in life, your workplace environment, wanting to destroy your kids. It's what he wants to do. It's who he is. That is the makeup. He's the father of lies, and he will bring out every kind of lie inside. Are you going to believe them lies, or are you going to believe the truth that Jesus says that sets you free? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16 says this. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith, to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. I don't have a better passage than D.L. Moody. Um, he gave this teaching on faith. One time he said, I prayed for faith and thought that someday it would just come down and strike me like lightning. But faith didn't seem to come. One day I read in, the Ro in Romans that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I had up to this time closed my Bible and prayed for faith. Now I opened my Bible and began to study, and faith has been growing ever since. Number three, faith grows stronger in its full potential through testing. I wish I could take this out of the message. I wish I could take this, these scriptures that talk about trials out of the Bible, and I wish I could just go over there and, and just kind of give you this, this dusting of Jesus and you just go, can you feel the dusting? Can you feel the flare of who God is? And you know what, just hang out at this altar and just get in the sway of the Holy Ghost. I wish I could do that without telling you that faith grows stronger through the trials. All you gotta do is look at nature and nature tells us a lot about things, amen? I mean, have you ever seen a tree that would just like do some weird things looking for sun? That's what we should be doing. You should be weird looking for Jesus. Amen? I don't care what it takes. You should be weird looking for Jesus. All right? And so nature also tells us that when storms come, have you ever seen these massive trees that grew? I mean, it must have took 50, 60 years to grow to that, that stature, and all of a sudden, they blow over, some windstorm comes. And you think, how in the world did that happen? And then all of a sudden you kind of look at what's going on and, and there was some tree removal that had happened. And so the wind stream that had hit that trees that had never hit those trees before. And so when they were a youngin', they weren't tested by those fires and those trials. And so they never rooted deep so that when that wind finally did come, because somebody removed some of that other area. Let me tell you something. This is a word, I didn't share this in first service, but some of you parents... Some of you are working so hard at keeping every trial from your child. Let me tell you something. When that windstorm comes and they move your house, they're going down. 
You need to allow those children, those young adults, to go through that trial, and then yet you're watching with them, you're encouraging them, that you're even maybe helping them with the Holy Spirit, but they need to be tested with these trials, and some of us are trying to remove every trial around our children, so they're, not, they're going to lose when they get out. That's not God's plan. God says, I want my children to endure these trials, because it, through it, the testing of their faith, what does it do? It grows stronger. John chapter 15 verse 7 says, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. 1 Peter 1, 6. So be truly glad. There's wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show you that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. I, I, I marvel that sometimes people will look at a person's walk like, I, I will look at Pastor Dwayne Vanderklok, who's a mentor, who has, I mean, he is, has, he's made an impact on tens of thousands of people. True, him and his wife, Jeannie, the most sweet, awesome, but if, you were to, if, if I were to take time um, and squeeze him, he is always the same yesterday, today, and forever. He reminds me of my Father in heaven. He's, I, I've watched him go through such malicious accusations. People close to him just all of a sudden slanderously speaking about him. And here he is, and we'll have breakfast, and he'll just go, I really want the best for them, and I pray Jesus just touches them. Sometimes I want him just to make a mistake, because I feel like I'm in those mistakes. I'm like, can you just just for a moment, be mad at them like I am? Can you just, like, can we just practice a little while together so I can feel better about my thoughts in that situation? Instead of just going, you know what, uh, Ron, I just, I really want them to come around to Jesus and just see more of him in their life. I want them to win. And if you know what, if they're starting a church right down the street, I pray that church just prospers. I'm like, God, what? Did he just, <laughs> and you know, it's just, and, but that's, that man of God. And he has learned, let me tell you something, his heart gets hurt just like mine and yours. But he has chosen to arrest his thoughts and make them obedient to God. Realizing that every word that he speaks that is not supposed to be framed by his circumstances. So he calls those things that be not as though they are and speaks life into the midst of the death that's even reigning in his day. Talk about watching somebody wreck somebody's parade over and over again, and yet he marches to one tune, Jesus be lifted up, and that his speech will always be held in the space of honor and value to God. Number four, the word of God in our lives is to be exercised, our faith muscle. You are to exercise 
your faith, which means you can have all the faith inside of you, but you need to speak it. You need to speak it. Hebrews chapter 5, in fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish both good and evil. This passage is really easy for me to understand because I, I, I watch my grandkids when they can, they, they have to go in, they can start eating solid food. And, you know, not just these, you know, those little, I don't know, those squeeze tubes and, and breast milk and everything else that they're, you know, going over there. But all of a sudden they grow up into, you know, they can, they can eat some meat and they can eat some, you know, some solid food. They're, but how many of us are doing that? You know, how many of us are, you know, in, in the way to eat meat is this, is, is to discern good from evil. We know, you know, and so here it is going, that's not a thought God has for me. That's not a thought that, that's not God's thought for my marriage. That's not God's thought for my, my grandkids. That's not God's thought for my body. That, that word of stroke, that's not God's word for my body. That, that word over that, that's not God's word for this church family. That's not God's word for, you know what, what we're going to take as communion. I'm, I'm going to arrest those thoughts. This is God's promise. His promises are all yay and amen in God. And that God, I see prodigals filling these seats. I see loss coming to know. I see people getting baptized. I see young people following. I, I believe in a year's time, you're going to see young people filling up. You're going to have a hard time getting in the front because the young people are going to fill these seats and they're going to show us how to worship God. They're going to bring freedom. We're going to see young people going over there worshiping God and serving God and going to quit things. We're going to have them in our drums. We're going to have them in our keyboard. We're going to go over there and say, seriously, Pastor, we have somebody older than 18 years old in the service environment. I don't know. They keep on asking. You better ask and they better seek and they better knock because that's what I believe God wants to do. What would God do with that youth movement that God wants to bring in our house. What do you see? It's easy to talk about, well, our youth are really complacent and lethargic and lazy. And they don't listen to what I'm saying, the crazy music and that smart device. I want to chuck that thing so far, smack them alongside the head with it. It's easy to speak what we see. But what can we bring in light? What is God speaking? Tonight we're going to talk about, you know what, I want to read just stories and history lessons. You know, these students, these, these kids don't even know what God has done. God is amazing. And all you got to do is read the Bible to them and they're going, Say what? I mean, that's what they, because it's just amazing. The word of God is amazing, amen? And so many times we just don't take the time because we're so frustrated with their behavior. We don't recognize what can God do in the truth of his behavior. And then last of all, faith has fruit that follows. Faith has fruit that follows. As we get ready to take communion, I have a passage I want to read to you, and I know that I, I apologize again. I, this is something the Lord gave to me this morning, and um, so I didn't have time to put it up on the screens for you. 
is found in 1 John chapter 1 in verse 5. So if you do have a smart device or a Bible in front of you, you can turn with me. 1 John chapter 1 verse 5. And I was thinking about what is communion and what does it mean to me personally. And I kind of uh, shared with you that I'm going from faith to faith. And so I, I like to be authentic and tell you that, you know, where my struggles are so that maybe you can feel, I don't know, better about your struggles. But um, I've struggled with networking. And uh, ever since I've been a, a pastor, um, there's just been a lot of just pot shots, hardships that have gone in my path that's created this, you know what, you might say um, protection devices like a lot of you go through. Maybe some of you have gone through that in a marriage or divorce or you, you, all of a sudden you start protect, you get protective. Because I'm not, you, you go, I ain't, that ain't never happened to me again. And, you know, and, and sometimes I, I'm kind of in that place. And, and so I've, I've taken these steps out trying to network with other pastors at times and, and even Resurrection Life Circle. And, and, uh, and then just get, you know, in, in some arrow or some scenario hits me again. And I feel the Lord making me go from faith to, can I say it with me? Faith to faith. And so I have a hesitancy to step. I'm like, I'm feeling the water out there. And God goes, step in. Because, you know, I'm not the person that feels the water. I jump in. And so I'm going over there. And you go, so I step in. And so I met with two pastors um, this week. One of them is, uh, is a pastor from in Kalamazoo. And a uh, great pastor, uh, Sonny. And um, Sonic is his name, James Sonic, And he started church, his, his church around the same time. But he's had a really um, uh, a great experience with staff. He's gone through some staff. But he's got a, a really good culture in his staff. And, and I, I see my fallacy there. In fact, my wife and I have a neighbor. And, and uh, one of our neighbors is that she's always entertaining. And, and she's always got people coming over to their house. And they're just... How, you know, entertaining. And, and to be truthful, that's not, I, I don't, that's not a, a, a tag that's inside of my makeup. I'm like, hey, let's do that. You know, I mean, I'm just, that's just not me. But it's God. And the Bible says that elders are supposed to be given to hospitality. So I'm like, oh, there's a double prick on that one, you know. And so, you know so it's a double whammo for God, you know. And, then, and so I'm, I'm like, all right, God, I get this. And I, my wife's great at it. And so I know God's asking me to step in this. So I ask you, as we're going to take communion in a moment, what is God asking you to step out of your skin and into his plan? This, this, the journey doesn't end tomorrow. This is called a journey of faith. So I have no idea what God's going to have a year from now or two years from now. All I know is this is what he's, his ask of me. And what God asks us a lot of times is that he asks us to step in areas that we feel insecure we feel fearful of, or we've, have, we've had doubts, we've had bad experiences. And God goes, I didn't ask you to consider your experiences. I didn't ask you to rationalize. I asked you to take a step of faith, which is truly trusting God's got you. So I, I'm, as your pastor, that's my step. And I don't know what your step is, but I guarantee you that every one of us in this room, God has an ask of us because he has great thoughts about you. He has chapters he's wanting to write and finish in and through your life. And communion is where we start. Faith only works by love. This is the message we heard 
from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light. And there's no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth, but if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we're calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. God's word has first place in my heart. And his word is telling me that I need to grow up in areas. I need to step out of my insecurity. I need to step away from my experiences and my hurts. And that I need to trust him in these areas and these times. What is God asking of you? Is he really in charge of your heart? Or are you trying to guard it and keep it so that your experiences won't wound you again? Acknowledge him in all his ways and he will direct your step. As we take communion today, as we take of the bread and we take of the juice, which is the blood and the body of Jesus Christ, it's acknowledging that we couldn't do it. He, uh, the first step isn't really us, it's him. He took the first step. And all we are is stepping into his step and plan of our lives. Father, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for communion. I thank you for fellowship in your spirit. I pray as we worship you, as we take, Lord God, of the elements, which represents the body and blood of our Savior. That God, that it takes care of all our history. A lot of us got a lot of hurtful history. It cleanses us from all of it. And God, you say, behold, you want to do something new. And it brings us into a place of trust, faith that pleases you. I pray that you work through this moment in every one of our hearts, and those even watching online right now, that you work through their hearts. Here we are, God. Search us and know us. And God, may we have the honor to be cleansed and forgiven of our sin. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Let's stand up and worship our God. If you liked this message and want to hear more, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Get more info at mylifechangechurch.tv. See you next week.